Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Man, this is the longest time we've gone between episodes in a while, and it's great to be back. I know. We said Happy New Year, and I was like, ooh, that feels weird to say because we're already halfway, yeah, I think we've reached more than halfway the Happy the New Year limit because I said Happy New Year to somebody I hadn't seen yet this year earlier, and they're like... They're like, yeah, it feels it's starting to get late, even though it's late. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're halfway through January. It's not Happy New Year anymore. I know you don't work in an office, so I don't know if you had the same dynamic. But the first day that everyone is back in the office, everyone says Happy New Year. And then Mm -hmm. everyone says, so how was your break? And then mm-hmm. you have to like tell the same story of what mm-hmm. you did over the mm-hmm. two week break over yep. and over yep. again, which is like, you know, first world problems. I am sure. I'm the first to admit, but eventually you want to have like some piece of paper that just like you hand out to people that says what you did over the holiday. By the way, uh, first on. thing I did when I got on this call uh, to do the uh, podcast was say happy new year to Veronica and then ask her how her break was. <laughs> that's so how it goes. Guilty as <laughs> that's charged. Just, that's just convention, <laughs> right? I mean, we it all is, do it. It is. But I know what you mean. Like when you're in an office and there's 25 people, you know, the first few is fun. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, hi. Yes. Well, <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. yeah. And then you have sound like you didn't have any fun over break because you're like, well, yeah. I did this and then I did that. No, the nice thing is I kind of went straight, not straight, but like it was like back to work for a couple of days on the show, D- Daily Tech News show, and then to CES. And at CES, there's the perfunctory like, did you have a good holidays? Great. We're all really busy. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Nice seeing you. <laughs> Smell you later. Yeah, totally. Did you have a good CES? I did actually. Uh, it was it was uh, it was fun. There were smart toothbrushes and uh, matcha makers. Oh yeah, I was I really liked the matcha maker. I actually pulled some Japanese out on the on the folks who made the uh, the uh, Kuzan uh, matcha automatic matcha tea maker. Were you like oishi days? I did. I did an oishi yeah. and uh, arigato gozaimasu. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good. Well, Tom went to Japan, as as many of you know from our last episode. Uh, so I'm glad you were able to use your your Japanese in another real world context. <laughs> Let's jump into the quick burns because I have no idea what Tom just said. I said, do you speak English? Didn't I? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. What is English? I used to know this. Ego. Um Ego, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why I said that. Oh, uh, I'm drinking soju, which is not Japanese. It's Korean. I'm 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 drinking two-month-old yellowtail Chardonnay that I found in the back of my fridge (laughs) from Thanksgiving. Woohoo! All right. So, tastes better now than I think it did when I opened it. It's aged. Mm Mm-hmm. Terp Kirsten says, the Hugo nominations are open. Terp says, I created a thread, but here's the key info. Quote, the deadline for nominations is 13 March 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, 2.59 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Okay, you get it. 
Although members of Dublin 2019 can nominate, only members of Con Zealand will be eligible to vote on the final ballot and choose the winners of the 2020 Hugo, Lodestar, and Astounding Awards and the 1945 Retro Hugo Awards. I have uh, purchased my Con Zealand membership, so I am ready to both nominate and vote in the finals. I don't feel qualified to nominate. You know, I think I'm going to partial nominate this year. What does I that mean? I feel like I'm more qualified to nominate than I am to vote on the final, right? Yeah. Nominate means yeah. I read a thing that I think deserves consideration for a Hugo. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'll go through and I'll find the books that I, I've read and I'm like, you know what? This deserves a nomination. And I'll go and I'll nominate those. So I won't nominate in every category, but I'll nominate the things that I know like, okay, this deserves a nomination, but I always feel weird about voting on the finals if I haven't read them all. And so I, you know, it was purest hubris that I'm like this year, I'm going to try to read at least the, the Hugo main, you know, novel, uh, nomination. So we'll see. I'm going to make a, a kind of radical suggestion, Mm. um, of something we've never done before in our 12 odd years. All right. Radical. I like it. Should we, read all the Hugo nominees for the podcast. Hmm. I like this idea quite a bit. I like shaking things up. I, I think we should, I think we should do that. I think the, so, but here are the challenges, right? Mm -hmm. If we read all Hugos, it's all sci-fi. Yep. So we need to figure out how to still accommodate lasers. So I think some of them should be, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Dragon, no dragons. Swords. What's the name of our show? Uh, I, don't know. Uh, I think some of them should be picks, but not all of them. Some of them should be alternate picks. Okay. Does that make sense? I'm never going to, but I'm mostly doing this to be very self-serving because I'm never going to have the time to read alternate picks. Yeah, but we also won't have enough months, I don't think, between the times of the nominations being announced in March, mid-March. Okay, so if nominations are announced in mid-March, so we could read... And we're doing... Are we going to do March Madness? We would... If, if we do Dang. March Madness, that's usually the April pick. Okay, so we June, July... It's not enough months. Not enough months. Even if you cancel March Madness, there's not enough months. Do you have to do alternate picks? Balls. All right. <laughs> it sounded like such a good idea in my head. What if... Okay, 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 mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What if we don't do it in time for the awards? Oh, uh-huh. What if we just, so if we do, so if we do April's out, so June, not July, August, How not September. How many nominees are there usually? October, not October, November, not November, December. So f- that we could do five from the time the nominees are announced until the end of the year. With still leaving out months for sword pick for sword picks. Wait a minute. There's another problem with this plan. What? I don't get to pick any more books. Is that a problem? Or is that I mean, is this a feature <laughs> or, or is a this bug? a feature of your plan? <laughs> so there are usually six best novel. Okay. Uh, and and uh often we have read some of them. So it's possible that we will have read some of the nominees. Like last year, we had read Calculating Stars. We, That's right. Uh, we had read, well, we hadn't read Revenant Gun. We had read Yunha Lee, but I don't think we read Revenant Gun. Uh, 
Um, and, and we did read Trail of Lightning. So, eh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's let's throw it open to the audience. Uh, if, if you've got ways out of our conundrum where we can all read the picks, Veronica will have enough motivation to read the picks and... I still get some agency. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I can't I can't math myself out of this one. I need help. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll we'll need to brainstorm on this some more. But I I like the idea. I just feel like I've never done that before. So it would be fun to to give ourselves that challenge. (laughs) We'll just read them all in a month. That would be hard. That would be very hard. For me, I can't do that. I'm no Felicia Day. (laughs) I I can barely read one a month. Yeah, I know. Uh. Jan says, I don't know if this is something for the quick burns. Well, guess what, Jan? It was. You made here it. it is. Uh, but I found this story that's more about the business side of being an author quite interesting. So Andy Weir revealed in a refreshingly open and honest post on Facebook that since January 1st, 2020, the available audiobook for The Martian is no longer read by R.C. Bray, but instead by Will Wheaton. The reason is that the old contract with the previous publisher, Podium Publishing, expired, and Audible made a better offer for the audiobook rights. So, Andy sold the rights to them. And Audible and Podium, sadly, did not reach an agreement on the price of the existing recording, so Audible re-recorded it with Will. So sadly, the old version seems to have vanished, but we do have a new one that's hopefully just as good, although I still seem to be able to listen to the old version in my Audible library. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, but you down if you downloaded it. If you well, no, and I think it's even available in the cloud. If you download oh. if you bought the 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 previous version of The Martian, you probably still have access to it. Got it. Um generally, most of these kinds of stores, video stores, Audible stores, once you buy stuff, they keep giving you access to it, even for redownloads. Um, so you know what? I can I can double check that because uh, I own The Martian on audio. Uh, but if you want to go buy the new one, you're kind of out of luck if you want the RC Bray reading. If you don't own it already, I don't think you can get it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it it makes sense. It's kind of sad. Um, but that's I guess that's how rights work. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, you know, people were saying, ah, this is why physical media is better. I mean, given that the downloads, if you keep your download, it doesn't go away. Uh, you're fine. And given that, um, you know, uh, it's copyable, it's actually better than physical because the same thing would happen with physical. They'd stop making physical. Yeah, You'd have to it go would buy, just be a new reprint, but you could go buy used versions. Right. And you can't buy used versions of digital things. So there, there's your big difference. Yet. Yet. I know uh, uh, Cory Doctorow keeps fighting for the rights to, to sell used copies. And there's, there's been some progress on that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Martian, uh, narrated by MC Bray. Yeah, my, my copy still lets me get the RC Bray version. I'm downloading it fresh from the cloud right now. And yeah, I hear it. I heard it. The Martian. Written by Andy Weir. We're going to get a takedown notice, Tom. 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 Yeah, it, was, it was 2X. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Tom Ahome says, there is a lock and key Netflix trailer out. Um, I did start reading the lock and key series. This is a, um, a comic uh, by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, and it is coming to Netflix. There's a, there's this trailer out. It just came out. I don't know much about the series other than what I first started reading over on Comixology. Um, but it sounds like 
So in the description on Gizmodo, oh, sorry, on io9, rather, I always forget that it's io9.gizmodo.com. That threw me off for a second. Hill and Rodriguez's IDW publishing series, which ran from 2008 until 2013, with some one-shots set in the past published later, centered on the Locke family after their father was murdered. The mother and children move into his ancestral house, known around town as Key House, to get a fresh start, but soon find out the home name is Literal. Mysterious keys found throughout the building and grounds hold special powers that evil forces are keen to get their hands on. Lots of magic and mystery abound. Makes for a pretty cool TV show concept, if you ask me. Any familiarity, Tom? Are you? I've read. I've read the graphic novel. I'm oh, seriously excited uh, for this to finally come to video. I feel like the trailer looks kind of kiddy, and mm. I hope that's an honest effort to fool people <laughs> uh, because because uh, the graphic novel is very dark from the beginning as, as you know because mm-hmm. you've started it uh, but it's about like young kids who think they're going on a an adventure and they are uh, but the adventure turns dark and fun but dark and so I'm not seeing as much dark in this trailer but that may be on purpose to not scare people away Apparently, I, I didn't know this. Um, there were two pilots. Uh, Fox made a pilot, and yep. then Hulu also yep. made a pilot. You don't listen to Cord Killers, obviously. I don't listen to Cord Killers. I am sorry. Yeah, we've been following that that story uh, for quite a while, and um, it, it we kept getting excited, like oh, it's going to come to Fox. Oh no, it's not. Well, it's going to come to. Oh no, it's not. Okay, it's going to come to Netflix. Is it really? And thanks, we finally got the trailer. So I'm very excited. Fantastic. I like this posting from John Taloni uh, of relevant to Sword and Laser's interests book releases. Uh, Invisible Library series book six, The Secret Chapter by Genevieve Cogman is out. And Wayward Children series book five, Come Tumbling Down by Shauna McGuire is out. Oh my gosh. There's They're up to book six on I Invisible know. Library? I know. How does she do it? Good Lord. All right. I got some catching up to do. I'm catching up to do. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> wow. I have some catching up to do. You do. You do. As TRP you might, you, says. You might say you've got some catching up to do. Catching up to do. Uh, TRP says over several weeks last summer, I would cycle home through Trinity, uh, Trinity Church Square in Southwark, noticing Southwark. that they were. Go ahead, Tom. Southwark. Southwark, really? So, mm. S- S O U T H W A R K is pronounced how? Southwark. Southwark. Southwark? I mean, I'm sure someone from there is going to critique my pronunciation, but mm-hmm. it's close to that. Anywho, they were filming something <laughs> set in the 19th century. I just discovered, TRP says, that this was filming for the upcoming Joss Whedon TV series, The Nevers. It's about a group of Victorian women in London with special powers. Unfortunately. It isn't linked to the strange case of the alchemist's daughter by Theodora Goss. The TV series of that book has been announced, but is still in quote development. Ah, uh, that's fun, right? Like that's to be fun. like, okay, what is this thing? What's happening? And then you find out it's a Josh Whedon show, uh, that it's Victorian women with special powers show. Uh, it is sad. I mean, it's not sad. Uh, when I heard about Joss Whedon doing the Nevers, I was like, wow, that sounds a lot like the strange case of Alchemist's daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, why didn't they just license that? But maybe they couldn't license that. I don't know. 
This makes me feel like white trash zombie all over again. Mm, why? I zombie, I zombie oh. versus white trash zombie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of those. Well, how about this? Jan uh, posted that Hulu has ordered an adaptation of Nettie Okorafor's Binti series. The adaptation will be co-written by Okorafor herself alongside Stacey Osei-Kufour from the Watchmen series. Oh, yeah. That sounds Ooh. incredibly intriguing. I cannot wait to find out more. How, how, how are they going to do some of the things in those stories? Like what people said about the Watchmen series. How like, are they going to do a sequel to Watchmen? And look what Stacy did. She helped do that. So here we go. Okay. Well, do it again. different, different. One is an adaptation and one is a continuation Set in the same universe. All right. If you want to undermine Stacy, that's fine. But I was trying to be positive here. I'm not undermining anyone. She has done one kind of impossible task. There's no reason she can't do another kind of impossible task. That's true. That's true. I'm not. Undermining was a very strong word. (laughs) Very strong word. (laughs) It was probably too strong for the situation. I apologize. It's okay. I'm just, I'm looking. How about we say I'm looking forward to seeing how they adapt some of the more fantastical elements of that story. Yeah, no, no joke. All, all joking aside, this is a tall order. This is yeah. this is this will be very, very interesting how they they approach this. But I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see what they do. There are some um, interesting creatures in that universe uh, that I'm excited to see brought to life. Uh huh. <laughs> um. Hey, is Jan Dara? Why would Jan be Dara? Because <laughs> we've had three great posts from Jan. And I was oh. like, wait, is did Dara have a pseudonym or do we have or is Jan just awesome? Well, I guess actually, Jan's just awesome. Dara did have a Dara has gotten a new job. Uh-huh. Dara is yeah, uh, right. doing very well and mm-hmm. has Congrats. just been very busy. Yeah. Her job is impersonating Jan. <laughs> okay, Jan says the 2020 Philip K. Dick Award nominees have been announced. The nominees are The Outside, Velocity Weapon, All Worlds Are Real, Short Fictions, Sooner or Later Everything Falls Into the Sea, The Little Animals, and The Rosewater Redemption. Every year we we uh, talk about the Philip K. Dick Award nominees, and every year I say the same thing about them. <laughs> Which is, man, I, you know, Philip K. Dick is my favorite author, and I'm really glad to see that more people are still writing in that vein. And it's true. I still am. That sounded negative, but then you really turned it positive at the end. Well, I was negative about me not coming up with something new to say every month, ah. but then pointing out that the sentiment itself is very positive. It's okay, Tom. We've been doing this show for a long time. Eventually, we're going to repeat ourselves. Eventually, we're going to repeat ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Louis said there is a new Robert A. Heinlein novel coming out. That's confusing. <laughs> March 24th, 2020. I think we talked about the Kickstarter for this years back. Uh, <laughs> the Pursuit of the Pankara is a parallel novel about parallel universes. Robert Heinlein uh, wrote The Number of the Beast, in which was published in 1980. Uh, and in the book, Zeb, Dee Dee, Hilda, and Jake are ambushed by the alien black hats and barely escape with their lives on a con- specially configured vehicle, which travels along various planes of existence, allowing them to visit parallel universes. Unknown to most fans, Heinlein wrote a parallel novel about the same four characters and parallel universes in 1977, oh. which remained unpublished, uh, but... The manuscript survived. 
So he effectively wrote two parallel novels about parallel universes. The novels share the same start, but as soon as they travel to a parallel universe, each book transports them to a totally different parallel world. Wow. Did you listen to the, um, the This American Life episode about the app that creates parallel universes? No. Um, there's an app that actually... <sighs> This is going to be hard to explain. You're better off listening to the This American Life episode <laughs> about it. But I will say, so Tom, the example was they asked um, Ira Glass to name a decision he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And he said, should I shave off my beard? I, I grew this beard over the holiday break. Mm. Should I shave it off? And so the other producer, the one who did the story, said, okay, in the app uh, for your first universe, you're going to say, my decision is to shave my beard. And then the other decision is to um, keep my beard. Mm -hmm. And then it sends off that decision into the world. And then there's a, oh my God, I'm going to really mess this up. There's a device somewhere, I think in Sweden or Switzerland that drops a little like subatomic particle or something. And if it goes to the left, then you make one decision. And if it goes to the right, it may you makes the other decision, but one of them disappears because they can't be both in the same place at the same time or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it tells you which one showed up, mm-hmm. and then you you make that decision. You have to stick to that because that's the decision you made in this universe. And then it splits the universe, mm-hmm. and then in the other universe, you get the other result on the app, and you make that decision. And honestly, you don't even have to stick to the decision. It still splits the universe because the 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 theory is that uh every decision uh made and 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 by decision it really comes down to those kinds of subatomic processes that you're talking about uh creates a new universe and so instead of yeah. and, and so there are there are the parallel universe theory the multiverse theory mm-hmm. is that these universes keep being created and that that every subatomic action happens both ways and we only see one of them and so that, that's, that's a pretty crazy way of helping people to understand that by saying you make a decision and your decision will be tied to a subatomic reaction. And in one universe, you'll get a response telling you to do one thing. In another universe, you'll get another because that reaction by the theory happens both ways and becomes two different universes. All right. So it's called Universe Splitter and it's on the App Store for $1.99. <laughs> and I, I explained it pretty well, um, but how it works is that uh, it will activate a remote Qantas brand quantum device made by ID Quantique and certified by the National Metrology Institute of Switzerland, okay. which will send a single photon into a quantum either-or state. Mm-hmm. According to current scientific thinking, though, the photon will actually be in a both but in separate universes state. So then within seconds, Universe Splitter will report to you which of those two universes you're in. And by taking a different action in each, you will cause these otherwise identical universes to diverge. And again, to be honest, uh, the photon itself is in both universes, whether you make the decision or not. Reporting the decision to report a state to you actually creates another universe itself. Hmm. So there so if you if you really follow this, your decision to obey what it says or not obey what it says starts two more universes. <laughs> but it's not the thing <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of universes out there. I mean, there is probably 
a problem. There are probably too many universes. Like how can how can what, I, what is, I've thought okay, a lot about this. I've thought a lot about this. What are the universes contained in? I wonder how many universes just converge back into each other. Like they, like they take different paths, but then they then end up back. at the same state, and then they remerge. I feel like mathematically that would have to happen eventually. It, yeah, right. Like there's so many, so so many state. Mm. The other thing about the multiverse theory is it's often explained the way we're explaining it as you make a decision and a new universe is created. And in fact, that's not really what the math is saying. The math is saying there are pretty much every possible state for matter happening all at the same time and you can only perceive one state. I I realized (laughs) in the recording of this episode that I have a, a tick that I do when my brain gets caught in a cycle that I can no longer comprehend. Hmm. That's it. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> Did you? That's the sound. My sentence ends and I go, hmm, years. Yeah. You'll really? hit something and you'll just go, hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's fun. It's like, oh, she's processing. <laughs> she's gone too deep. <laughs> She'll, you always resurface, though. So yeah, Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> so that was a, quite a divergence. Uh, yeah, a little quantum mechanics in your sword and laser. Uh, I, I ain't going to mind. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right. Wow. So, uh, yeah, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And uh, we have a fantastic, of course, as always, 280 word review from our friend Beth Mitchum. Um, This one on the Hogfather. The master of tell all the truth, but tell its slant has death explore the true meaning of a holiday and the importance of fantasy and belief. Also, everything is better with giant flying hogs. Oh, so true. So true. You have once again, Beth Mitchum, nailed the essence of a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got uh, DJ Space Terrapin, who said, Happy New Year. Thank you for another year of Lord and Swayzery goodness. <laughs> I That's why I was getting the name wrong earlier. The Lord of Swayzer. <laughs> Still lives Swayzer. in my basement. Remember? Because that's, that's his official title, Lem. Oh, yes. Uh, Lem. Uh, yes. Correct. Yeah, and yeah, and he, his castle still lives in Petaluma. Yes. But he lives in your basement. And I think we've been officially invited out to the, we have. Uh, the castle. We've got to figure that out. Yes, indeed. And then finally from Rob, uh, here's the final summary from the Sword and Laser World Builders group. We had a total of 26 people who donated via our team for anonymously. We totaled $4,263.10 in member donations, plus another $1,202.60 in matching donations for a grand total of $5,475.70. That's for you, folks. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Next year, I think we can do better even than 26 people. <laughs> I didn't know we had this technology. <laughs> this is new to me. That's that's kind of the only two I have, so I try not to overuse them. Should we be doing the sound effects so like Jim doesn't have to do all this Ludicrous editing speed. work? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, that was... Ludicrous speed! <gasps> You said you only had those two. What else you well, got in there? that one's not very useful. That's why I didn't count it. <laughs> I, uh, you could just do, like, have a recording of me going, hmm. <laughs> then I would be Scott Johnson. There you go. 
Um, thank you, everyone, for for contributing to World Builders. Uh, it was very awesome Absolutely. to see. Yeah, no yeah. Joke. wonderful. I, I love it when we all get together and do something awesome and good. Thank you, Rob, for making thank us you, do Rob. that. That was awesome. One more round of applause for Rob. Oh, yes, for Rob. You had an air horn the whole right, I time? Three. I have three. <laughs> I really try not to use the air horn at all. <sighs> save that. Save that one. Put that in your back pocket for later. Yeah, That's yeah. a good one. I'll hold on to that one. <laughs> all right. Well, now it's time for our book of the month discussion. Um, but we're going to kick off with the uh, the book briefing as well because we missed uh, the, the real beginning of the month. Uh, so, Tom, tell us about In the Company of Others. Yes. In the Company of Others by Julie E. Cherneda is uh, the book of the month. Uh, it was chosen by nomination. I, I asked for ideas. I said, I kind of want a book that fits this description. Got a lot of great ideas. Uh, this one was supported by a couple of people. It seemed interesting. We hadn't done a book from the early 2000s uh, in a long time. Oh, so, it was the early 2000s, right? Not the 90s? No, it was uh, it was a 2001 reviewer's choice pick for science fiction from Romantic mm-hmm. Times and won mm-hmm. the Aurora Award, the, Can- the Canada's pre-Aurora Award in 2002 for Best Long Form Science Fiction. So it was published in 2001. Definitely 2000s. In fact, even 21st century, if you're one of those picky people who was like, well, the century doesn't really begin until 2001, <laughs> uh, it's still in the 21st century. Great. Uh, in the Company Others is a standalone novel, centers around a station orbiting a world meant for terraforming, but an alien fungus has begun spreading, killing all in its path, and the terraformers on the station can't go down to the surface because of the fungus, and Earth has quarantined all the terraformers to prevent infection, so they're stuck on the station, and Dr. Gail Smith travels from Earth to one of these stations in search of a reported survivor of the infection, because if she could figure out how he survived, she can save everyone. Yeah. This is, um, Tom and I were texting, uh, when we got back from break and I think it was both kind of like a slow burn for both of us in the yeah. beginning, it but I'm, a, I'm enjoying it. It, it, uh, it, it's got a couple of humps for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was like slow at first and then suddenly stuff started happening and I was like, okay, this is getting good. Then it has another kind of slow, there's, you're like, okay, get him. Is it going to get on? Is it going to get on the ship? Is it going to get on the ship? Uh, but then it starts, it starts going again. So yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm just past that hump. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, it sounds like we're about about the same place. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm enjoying it, and it's a entirely different kind of of story uh, than than we've read in a while uh, because it's very very single setting oriented, yes, but yes. lots of science. Uh, Julie Trinata is a biologist. Uh, she did graduate work in the evolution of animal communication and behavior. That I think will probably show up a little bit later. Yeah. I would with imagine the, with the fungus, <laughs> with the quill, <laughs> the, the fungus among us. I know I, that joke kept playing through my head. I didn't say it out loud. I'm I pretty did. sure we've named I an episode. Why that did before. I do that? Why? It's okay. It's yeah. no, I don't, I don't. Damn it. I did it again. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) I don't think I know anyone who can say the word fungus and not say a fungus among us. Yeah. Or fungi. He's a fungi. Yeah, he is. (laughs) That's a, you know, it's just like, I don't want to know people who don't make that joke. Sure. It's important to me yeah. that I have people surrounding it's me kind who of say a fungus among us. It's that they want to resist but can't. Right. Yeah. 
I agree. It's like a pretty solid baseline for friendship mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Um, yeah, but so the 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 setting, I, I'm having a really easy time visualizing it um, mm-hmm. for some reason. Maybe because it has spent the entire book in this one, <laughs> pretty much one to, place so far. Yeah. Um, I I feel very comfortable. Uh, and she does she does a lot of 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 description. She, she, you yeah. know, if you're an, if you're somebody who wants action oriented stories, uh, you, you may not like this as much because while there is action, uh, she's the kind of author that sets the scene. But if you're one of the kinds of people who are like, oh, I needed more scene setting, you're going to love it because she does a lot of that really rich descriptions, uh, that really help you know where you are. It doesn't spoil anything to say that there are like pretty severe overcrowding issues in parts yeah. of this this space station. Right. I mean, and, that, that was book jacket copy kind of yeah. stuff that I was reading earlier. And that right. you can kind of assume that given that like, oh, there's a bunch of people on the station and they can't go back to Earth. They can't go down to the planet. Obviously, it's going to stuff's going to happen like that. But what I like about that is the description of kind of the social norms that arise because yeah. of that, which I uh-huh. found pretty fascinating, like. The idea, and this is perfect for me because I, I hate all this behavior in the real world where, you know, cutting in line is basically like, you do not pull that. It's an, like, it's a, it's a, a killable offense. Yeah. yeah it's like a, a killable offense. Um, everyone, you always pass on the right mm-hmm. or maybe it's the left. I can't remember in the book. Um, there's like a certain way that you move around people. Uh, there, there's one line again, this is non-spoilery, but, uh, some of the people from earth are walking with space between them and yeah. it's considered rude yeah. to leave that much space between you. Cause it's, it's greedy. You're using up all the space. Yeah. So that, that kind of stuff I have found really interesting and it definitely helps me visualize the, the feeling of being in the space station and, and what they're experiencing and especially how abnormal and interesting Pardell is mm-hmm. uh, because of his, as you will read, his interesting condition. And uh and the and and keep an eye out for the way they are able to move around outside the station. That's fascinating yes. too. That was fun to visualize. Yeah. Uh, and just this the 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 way that the space station has been impacted quite mm-hmm. literally yeah, uh, yeah. by the situations that have happened uh across earth and in the terraformed worlds and what has been required of the people uh who weren't able to return to earth what they had to do and so yeah there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff that I've never really read before and i think that's what makes it in like pretty cool for me is that there is you know even for a i haven't hit a lot of tropes in this book mm, yet mm-hmm. which i yeah. think is is unusual yeah i think um if if you're into world building and you want to see the kind of world that the story is taking place in uh in addition to that scene setting uh you're you're gonna have a good time with this book indeed uh, anything else you wanted to add yeah, I'm trying to think of anything non-spoilery uh, that I can add, and and it's mostly like uh, just just keep an open mind. I mean, there's certain style of stories that that you know people won't like because that's just the way they are, and that's mm-hmm. that's fine. But keep an open mind because this is a different kind of space story, and it's told from a different point of view uh, with somebody who's super smart. So you know, try try to go into it not expecting things, and and I think you'll you'll have a grand time. Yeah, I mean, I can only say so much because I haven't finished it yet. But it, well, it feels yeah. that 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 is all that all rings true to me so far uh, as as far as I've gotten in the novel so far. Um, yeah, enjoying it. 
Very cool. Read along with us. Read along with our community. And of course, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. So thank you all to the folks who back us. And if you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can even call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you soon. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!